This is Abroad in Education, a podcast where I unpack the international suitcase by focusing on EdPats and their experiences within education. I'm your host, Tiffany Lachelle. All around the world, so fulfilling, so fulfilling. Yeah, stamps on box I couldn't be happier that we connected. You are amazing, and each day my heart grows fond of you. I love this journey we are embarking on together, and I will do whatever I can to make sure I make you happy. You have already shown me in this little time how much of a better person you can make me, and our intellectual conversations are second to none. God bless the day we cross parts, babe. You are amazing, and I am happy we get to share our lives together going forward. Let's drive this car and captain this ship, as well as pilot the plane together. I'm going to make mistakes along the way, but I promise you, I won't do anything to hurt you and will work so hard that my mistakes won't be something that would cost us or hurt us. And whatever that is, I promise to learn from it and always listen to you as my partner. Be patient with me as I learn to love you the right way a queen deserves to be loved. I can't wait to see you soon. I'm starting this episode with a snippet of a text message that was sent to me at the beginning of what I thought was the unfolding of a beautiful relationship. (laughs) But before I go into my story about a romance scam, let me mention another. Casey Irvin recently shared her travel story with Travel Noir in an article called, I Fell in Love in Kenya, But It Was All a Lie. And please, if you haven't read the article, check the show notes because I've provided a link. What I appreciate most about Casey's story is the fact that she was bold enough to share it. And I still remember receiving the newsletter from Travel Noir in my inbox and I skipped over it because I didn't have time to read it. But once I finally did, it was right on time because I had recently discovered that the relationship that I believed was actually a romance scam. Casey's story was brief and it only shared a surface level experience about romance scams. Because her story was a piece to a larger puzzle, I want to use this episode to add another piece. So let me explain the name. I titled this episode, Conducting Research Through G-Search. I discovered who this man was by doing my research through Google, which I refer to as G-Search. I'm a doctoral student, and unlike in academic research, Google actually became a valid source that provided all of the information that I needed. I think it's interesting because I know I followed all the rules, but I still got bamboozled over a dating app called Bumble. (laughs) Now, I don't call myself a victim, so at Pat Friends and Family, please do not call or contact me with the, I'm so sorry you experienced this. I appreciate it. But no, this is literally my empowerment story. I am hurt, but I'm safe. And unfortunately, when folks decide to uproot their lives to live abroad, dealing with romance scams are rarely part of the cross-cultural orientation. So sharing this story is not only to empower myself, but to also empower women and men and those who just need an extra tool to consider in their moving abroad toolkit. (laughs) I'm going to try to make this story short and sweet, but also provide many details while doing so. 
So go ahead and grab a seat <laughs> because I'm about to spill all of the tea. Keep in mind, I'm sharing this story from my understanding of it now. I've been able to reflect on so many things that just didn't make sense while I was in the heat of the moment. Also, keep in mind that the events are real, but the names have been modified to avoid defamation. So, how we met. It was near my birthday when I got an inkling to activate the app Bumble. Because it was my birthday, I decided rather than using the free version of the app, it would be you know interesting to use the paid version, which is Bumble Boost. So on Bumble, anytime you are swiping through the, the profiles um, and you match with somebody, the woman has to initiate the conversation. But with Bumble Boost, it makes it a little easier because you can see, you know, who's already expressed interest in you, and then you can actually go straight to that profile and initiate the conversation. So I activated Bumble Boost, and I swiped right on a person that I will refer to as Kevin G. <laughs> now, this is a pseudonym, and it's not his real name. But this brother, baby face, innocent looking, cute, dark. <laughs> It's funny because his profile said that he was from Canada, but when I actually got a chance to start chatting with him, he said that he was from Nigeria, grew up in Ghana, schooled in Malaysia in the UK, and he currently lived in Canada. Um, he said that he had come out here for a contract, a year contract, uh, to work for a construction company where he provided clearances for building projects. So in my mind, construction workers build the buildings and after the buildings were built, he would come in and provide the clearances to basically make the houses and the buildings work. So, you know, the furnaces and the ACs and all of those different things. I mean, he even went as far as like later sending me PDFs of course materials that he said he was using to teach local men about clearancing and there was a company name, you know, bosses. And it was a job that actually fit this country. So there was no red flags at that point. And the funniest thing was <laughs> when we were chatting, the spelling, his spelling was impeccable. I mean, it just, it was easy to assume that, yeah, this brother got some Western training, <laughs> or at least Western education training, I'll say. So our connection started with a match on Bumble. We went from chatting on the platform to chatting through WhatsApp, to talking on the phone, to video chatting, and then to us finally meeting. And the first time we met, I actually went to see him. So at this time, the talk of COVID was still new. And this is before the mandated quarantine. There were no nightly curfews. Um, so it was just, you know, the beginning. Actually, you know, when I, when I started communicating with him on Bumble, I had fallen sick. I was sick and I spent my birthday and the next four days in bed. You know, so like the black folks who say, you know, I had COVID back in, <laughs> well, that was me. Although I was undiagnosed, I'm almost sure I had contracted the virus and I was literally in bed for four days uh, starting on my birthday. So because I had all the free time, I'll say, um, I had ample time to get to know him. The conversation was great. I ended up, you know, really connecting with him. So once I started to feel better, well, I went to the doctor and then, you know, I was told that I didn't have the virus. I was just, you know, going through the regular flu um, and I started to feel better. I ended up going to see him and I spent about four days with him. 
everything was great. I mean, we watched movies, we talked, we shared our life stories with each other. And the last day he got up, quote, got dressed for work, end quote. And I got back on the road and everything was good. Now, before I jumped in, you know, and I think this is typical of anybody who's starting a relationship, I felt like I followed the rules. I Googled his name. I looked up all the old universities that was on his LinkedIn profile. I even went as far as to connect with some of my Nigerian friends. <laughs> I reached out to one of my girls like, ask your husband if he knows this man. Here's the name, here's the picture. <laughs> as if Nigeria doesn't have a population of nearly 200 million people. <laughs> I know there was a very slim chance that she or her husband would know him, but hey, I tried. And she said, look, <laughs> All I can tell you about this man is his last name is Ebo. <laughs> so as I think back on it, I mean, that should have been a red flag. He didn't have a digital footprint. He just, I mean, he had a private life. And I figured there's nothing wrong with having a private life. I remember I actually got jealous because I, I figured, you know, it's a privilege to be able to, you know, not indulge in social media, right? To have a life that was full enough that you didn't need the pressures of like dealing with likes and followers and all that other stuff. So I, I really thought it was amazing. So the next time I saw him, he came to see me. So he came to my city and it was as perfect as the first time. We laughed, we watched movies, went to the grocery store. Not only did he cook, he also washed dishes after, <laughs> after each meal. I mean, these things are all normal, right? I even had a few friends stop by and they met him. And then I also have to mention that I have a really close connection with my family. So I talk to my family and friends often. And sometimes, you know, I'd be on the phone with them, a virtual chat and, you know, with my sister, my mom, and I'd be like, hey babe, you know, come say hi. And he didn't hide, you know, he didn't all of a sudden have to go to the bathroom. He literally came to the screen, hello. <laughs> Everything was so normal. So on the last day before heading back um, to his city, he said, hey babe, you know, I'm having issues with my debit card. Do you have any cash? And I didn't think anything of it. Yeah, here you go, babe. And I believe that this was probably like the initial test. I literally didn't blink at it. It was just like, yeah, here you go. So he went back to his city and everything was fine. Then COVID hit. Now this is the thing, I, I, I keep replaying this in my mind. And I think the situation worked out so perfectly because of COVID. I mean, when COVID hit, nightly curfews were implemented. Some areas were put on you know, a 24 hour lockdown for up to three weeks. People had to apply for permits to even get permission to leave the house. I mean, this went on. And, and even though we weren't together during this time, but even though we weren't, it was perfect because we weren't in the same space, but our virtual space, you know, it just went from in-person to back on the virtual. And we spent hours, you know, talking to each other, sending text messages up all hours of the night, you know, just continuing to get to know each other. So overall, I mean, even at this point, everything was perfect. Things were happening fast, but I was excited. I mean, I had just celebrated my birthday and everything that I had ever wanted in a man was literally in one package. I mean, I just figured this is as good as it's going to get. <laughs> I probably won't get any closer than this. 
But you know, now as I, as I reflect back on these things, I realize that he was actually doing what psychologists refer to as future faking, which is when a person lies or promises something about your possible future in order to get what they want in the present. So future faking, it's usually a term that's affiliated to narcissistic behavior. But in my case, I was thinking, wow, this is it. Dating app, delete it. <laughs> it's not going to get any better. I'm good. I'm in it. <laughs> so in such a short time, I mean a short time, we literally were talking about marriage, kids, even talked about moving in together, which was his idea, of course. And he mentioned things and hey, I listened. I mean, I, I heard him, but in the back of my mind, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily feeling it. So, hey, he presented things and it felt good. So things started to change during the time that I politely told him that I was not ready to move in with him. <laughs> and I think that's what messed up the immaculate plan that he had because things started to significantly shift. So first, a woman who he saw like a mother figure had gotten into a car accident and was in the hospital. And according to him, she was on her deathbed. Her husband, who supposedly was also in the car accident, had died on arrival. And um, he and his siblings were asked to collect money to send home. Now, he did ask for money at this point, and because it wasn't his mom, I'm just like, that ain't even your mama. Like, come on now. <laughs> but I felt it. I mean, my, my heartstrings were pulled, but it wasn't to the point where I was just like, yeah, you know, something that I felt like I needed to react on. Of course, right after, the mother gets sick from grieving the other woman's death, and now the mom is in the hospital. Now, we're in the middle of a pandemic, so there's many things that's happening around the world that I think between isolation and seeing things, you know, in different countries and realizing that, you know, folks were struggling globally. It was just one of those things where I was like, yeah, you know, if this were my cousin, if this were my aunt, I would do the same thing. So I did. I financially helped him. So his mother is sick. And finally, the curfews in the country were lifted. And the first thing I did was I went to visit him. Now, the funny part about this visit was <laughs> we were sitting in the living room watching 90 Day Fiance, and there was a woman who was dealing with a Nigerian man who was clearly scamming her. This episode was when <laughs> the scammer was threatening to share her nude pics if she didn't send him money. So the daughter was having like an intervention with her mom at this point and trying to explain to her mom that this man is a scammer, cut him off, don't talk to him anymore. But the mom would not believe it. And I told Kevin G, I said, this is clearly a scam. And he defended the mother. No, Nigeria already has a bad reputation. You know, women like this, women like these, you know, this, this, and this. Our conversation got so heated that we had a huge fight and literally ended up in two different rooms at night. Like, you stay over there and I'll stay over here because we are not gonna agree on this. Let's just agree to disagree. He was defending that mother, I was defending that daughter, and now that I think about it, I understand why. <laughs> so this is where I say 
Kevin G clearly needs an Oscar because have you ever seen a man cry before? I mean, literally, he weeped. Sharing stories about his childhood and all the good deeds his mother did. And, you know, we were sitting in the room one day and he received a phone call, which apparently was supposed to be his father, keeping him updated on his mother's status. More crying, more weeping, you know, just creating stories. So my assumption now is that all of these created stories was to create sympathy for more money, but I guess I was convinced when I watched him, I, I watched him go through the five stages of grief. First it was denial, then it was anger, then it was bargaining, then it was depression, and then it was acceptance. <laughs> now, this wouldn't be a good story if the mother didn't actually die, right? So yes, the mother died. And to add more empathy, she literally died days before his birthday, which happened to be on Mother's Day. I felt horrible for this man. I mean, I sent him this beautiful text message just basically saying, you know, I'm praying for you. You know, just think about the, the different traditions that you can start in her memory. You know, all of these different things. And I actually questioned, I said, you know, I wonder if his his birthday is actually on Mother's Day because that's the birthday that was on the Canadian passport. And then also, you know, a, a outside source later confirmed that she did believe that it was his birthday as well. So I sent him the message and, you know, I gave him a space. But at this point, I started to realize that, you know, we were still communicating, but our chats got shorter. And in my mind, he was grieving. He was isolating himself. And I just kept telling myself, you know, how else would someone act who had lost a mother? Like, I don't know. I mean, we talked, but we just weren't talking as much. So it was actually this distance that I needed because as his voice got quieter, the universe got louder. He actually came into my dreams. <laughs> and I had two distinct dreams about him. One was about the nose. And I remember I was in a restroom and I was washing my hands in front of a mirror where as I'm looking in the mirror, I could see behind me and see that somebody was kind of creviced in the, in the like a, a space between the ceiling and the wall. And I turned around and I'm walking toward the door and I said, I see you up there. And the person was a high school friend. And I looked at him and I said, what are you doing up there? What, have you seen Kevin G? And he's like, yeah, I saw him earlier, but I haven't seen him since. Did you see his nose? And out of the dream, that's the part that stood out to me, the nose. So I looked up the dream interpretation of nose, and it literally means deceit. I talked to my girl about it, and she was like, girl, you don't know Pinocchio? You haven't read the story of Pinocchio? <laughs> I said, oh my goodness, I never even thought about that. But of course, the nose is associated to deceit. So that was the first dream. And then the second dream was about transferring money. And I remember I was on a cruise ship and somehow the cruise ship had, it was docking into the port, but somehow it ended up on land. And we are trying to dock, but we're on land. So we're hitting cars and, you know, it's like a, a big chaotic pileup, but we're on a ship. 
So then the other part of the dream, we're in an apartment and he and I, Kevin G and I are talking about having to stay. So I said, well, you know, if we're going to stay here, I need to go to the ATM and get money. So I can't remember the pin to my debit card. So I'm going through all these pins and trying to figure it out. And then in the midst of me trying to figure out this pin, he says, well, can you transfer me some money? <laughs> so these dreams are coming into my life. And, and because of the distance of the relationship that, that had been created at this point, I'm actually paying attention to it. So one of the things that I realized about him, which still confuses me, is he shared some real things with me about his life. He mentioned an old girlfriend, and this is part of the, the, the beginning of the relationship, you know, with those questions. Oh, tell me about your last relationship. He mentioned an old girlfriend. So I got on his Facebook page. He had a Facebook page. And I started looking through his friends and I, I found someone who I believed to be his ex-girlfriend and I reached out to her. But when I started looking at her page, I noticed some of the pictures and I saw that his name was tagged in a photo, but it was tagged under a different last name. So the first name was the same, but the last name was different. So I Googled that name and everything was revealed. The first article I clicked said, Nigerian man facing dozens of charges for exchanging fake currency. This man had a whole criminal lifestyle. <laughs> I was directed to a website that collected old Twitter posts. Three different posts from 2015 came up. They were posted by folks in Nigeria the tweet said, please, everyone retweet and warn others. Kevin G defrauded me of 5 million naira, and he is also a child molester. Please avoid him. Kevin G is a Nigerian citizen in Canada. He is a fraudster. His dad is the king. Niger, it is time for us to fight crime in our Niger citizens in diaspora. They are spoiling our image. Please report anyone you know. Kevin G, you are a total disgrace to royal blood. Your father said you are a prodigal son. Chai, I feel for the poor man. To anybody who knows Kevin G, be careful with him. He is a fraudster. He is a thief. So I didn't confront him about this because I was still in the middle of my investigation. I embodied Olivia Benson, and I literally was conducting a perp search. <laughs> I still answered his calls, but I was quiet about it, and I just kind of sat on it. So one night, he and I were on the phone, and I saw that he was very quick and straight to the point. And I thought, well, if you're not talking to me, who are you talking to? Because, you know, on WhatsApp, you can see when somebody is online, and I see that you're online, so who are you talking to? So what did I do? I reactivated my Bumble account. <laughs> I swear, I honestly wanted to see if his profile was active. I did not get on there looking for another date. I got on there to see if his profile was active, but I forgot to deactivate the page. So by the morning, I mean, I, I activated it maybe at midnight. Right. So so later that morning when I picked up my phone, he had sent me a text at like six o'clock in the morning confronting me about my page being active. 
he shared a story saying something about, yeah, so, you know, a, a couple of friends of mine stopped by about three days ago and we were sitting in the room and, you know, a friend of mine, he's on Bumble and he was just going through the profiles and he showed me your profile picture. And I said, well, that's a lie. And he said, well, how, and, and we're, we're texting back and forth at this point. And he's like, well, how are you going to call me a liar? You know, this, this, and this. And I responded again. I said, well, that's a lie. And I hope it's the first and only one that you've told. And he was furious. And I said, well, I know it's a lie. And I took a screenshot of my email, which basically said, welcome to Bumble. Your account is active, which was dated <laughs> for earlier that morning. And I said, there's no way your friend could have seen my profile three days ago when I literally just activated it within the past hours. So if you saw my active profile on Bumble, it's because you swiped past my profile. So he had every excuse. <laughs> I know he knew he had been caught up, but he would not stop. He would not stop about how it wasn't the truth. You know, he's only going by what he knows. Contrary to me saying that I don't know anybody out here, many people know me, all of these different things. And I said, okay, <laughs> so since we're gonna play confrontation, let me tell you about some of the things I found. So what did I do? I confronted him. I forwarded him all of the screenshots, the websites, all of my evidence that I had collected. And he was furious, but this man was so good. I mean, he had every excuse in the book about why these things weren't true. His accounts were compromised you know, which was backed up by phrases like, on my mama's grave, on my late mother's grave. <laughs> so I realized at that point that I was literally under a psychological hijack. I mean, I started to question my own sanity, like, did I activate my page? You know, are these articles true? <laughs> you know, <laughs> was his account compromised? And you know, there's literally a term for this. It's called gaslighting, which means to manipulate someone by psychological means into doubting their own sanity. He was gassing me, y'all. <laughs> I needed to get out from under him. So rather than listening to him, and because of my connection with my intuition and the universe, I went to his Facebook page and I started sending friend requests to his friends, his family. The ex-girlfriend still hadn't responded to me, but the universe said, well, if she's on Facebook, she must be on IG. <laughs> I'm telling y'all, the universe was sending me all of these hints. So I looked on IG, I found her, and I sent her a message. Hey, I believe we know somebody in common, I wrote. Did you have a past relationship with Kevin G? Boom, response. Yeah, he's the father of my child. Okay, well, do you have time for a chat? I got on the phone with her and all of the dots were connected. Not only is he the father of her son, but he's also her husband. He has a long history of fraudulent activity and he's only getting more talented. And on top of that, his mother is not dead. <laughs> Lord, please have mercy on his soul because when the truth came out, there was no mother's grave to put your truth on. Come on now. Her death was a lie. I'm literally not making this up. 
It's unfortunate that the reputation of Nigeria is being damaged. I mean, living here in the past, it used to be, you know, folks would say, when you go to the grocery store, you can leave your purse in one aisle, walk to another aisle, come back, your purse and everything in it is still intact. But I'm finding that it's not that anymore. I mean, Kevin G was literally in my house. And what's interesting about my story is I've experienced unsuccessful attempts of robbery for phones and money. I mean, twice in Morocco. One was at knife point <laughs> and the other was a group of guys who pulled up in a car and attempted to steal my girl's purse. So I thought those experiences were traumatic, but what I wasn't prepared for was to be robbed with a weapon of love and to be emotionally hijacked by a person who honestly, I had started to plan a future with. <laughs> Unlike romance scammers, or at least traditional romance scammers maybe, this guy came from behind the screen and entered into my real life. I've been told that men like this prey on women and in addition to one's willingness to give money, that's not even half the story. People's credit cards are compromised, loans unknowingly taken out in their names, many other fraudulent occurrences don't get shared. And the fact is, I really like this guy. I mean, even one of my girls said, imagine if you had actually gone through and moved in with this guy and married this guy. She's like, there is no doubt he would have been asking you for a visa. <laughs> So thank you, Lord, for all of the blessings. And honestly, as time goes on, you know, this situation will be minuscule in the grand scheme of my life. At certain points, I actually wish he would have just taken the money and left me with the love part. <laughs> Was that bad to say? <laughs> I love love. And love is such a beautiful thing when it's authentic. Now, I'm not going to act like Superwoman because I am hurt. I've weeped multiple nights. And rather than lamenting, I'm choosing to move forward, which is why this is my empowerment story, because I will survive. Each day I remember different things that should have been clear as day when I was in it. Like after my first week spending time with him, I actually got a call from my bank inquiring about fraudulent charges on my card. They asked if I was in Ireland because someone from Ireland was trying to make purchases. And I told Kevin G because he told me that he had also had some debit card issues. And I remember calling him, oh my goodness, you know, just like you, somebody just tried to take advantage of my card. And he gave me all of this advice like, you know, there's different foils that you can put over your chip so that if you're in the mall, you know, nobody can access it. Come on now, really? <laughs> Another red flag was I introduced him to a couple of my friends. And later on, you know, when I told her about this situation, she said, you know, girl, I didn't want to say nothing, but uh, he looks suspect. <laughs> I just wanted to let you do your thing, girl. <laughs> and then, I mean, after a while, it was like when he said, you know, we should get off Bumble if we're going to see if this could work. And, you know, I've already deleted my account. You should delete yours. He said that to me. So when I deleted my account, I deleted my account. But I realized that there's also a trick to Bumble. You don't necessarily have to delete your account for it not to be seen. You can snooze your account while you're not using it. And it gives you options, like you can snooze it for 24 hours up to, you know, customize it for whenever you wanna get back on. So my assumption is he snoozes his account while he's occupied by one woman and then takes the snooze off when he's back on the hunt. He never deleted his account. And then also, I mean, the Canadian company that he worked for, 
listed on his LinkedIn page. It's not a real company. He literally has two LinkedIn pages, two Twitter pages, and I'm sure a plethora of other fake accounts out there. I mean, it's funny because whatever imposter syndrome I had before, as far as like being a researcher, it can literally be thrown in the garbage because between me and God, everything was revealed, everything. So even with all this, I mean, I continue to say I will survive. Well, we've all been told like how to navigate spaces domestically and abroad. I'm actually interested in hearing more about these untold stories that happen, not only in the States, but globally, because I was actually on a call with a customer service rep uh, from my credit card company. Yes, I did change all my accounts, thank you. And the rep told me that she experienced a similar story um, with a romance scammer, but she's in Atlanta. And you know, after, of course, after further research, because now I'm completely just immersed in this, I found several stories in the US and outside of the US about you know romance scammers. For instance, in 2017, in an article called Online Romance Scams Are Fleecing More Americans, a story was shared about a Texas woman in her 50s who met her soulmate online and after falling in love with the perp <laughs> and being convinced to send money, she eventually sent him $2 million. And I mean, you don't get the money back. A case in Vancouver reported that a man lost $500,000 to a man that he met online on a dating site. And even in 2018, Australians reported losing $60.5 to romance fraud and $42 million the year before. Fraud was the second highest category of financial loss behind investment fraud. And those aged 45 and over suffered the most from financial loss. Now, these articles suggest that, you know, there's particular things that you can look for for romance scammers. So where? They say most of them are on Instagram, Tinder, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Google Hangouts, eHarmony. They say that the victims tend to be widowed, divorced, and 50 plus. And then who are the scammers? The scammers tend to say they're working overseas, but they're from Nigeria, Russia, Ghana, Ukraine, Malaysia. So when I take this information and compare it to my own story, you know, things don't add up. One, I met Kevin G on Bumble. Two, I don't fit the demographic of those who are often cited to be scammed. I don't even have a job right now. <laughs> I am on a fellowship. And then yeah, well, my scammer was from Nigeria. I guess that part matches. <laughs> But still, it is not my intent to further stigmatize folks from Nigeria. I know all Nigerians are not scammers, but it seems that many of these fraudulent scams are affiliated to Nigeria. You know, it, it says something about the lack of opportunities available in the country, but then I think it's also unfortunate that I just happened to come in close proximity with somebody who fit that stereotype. I blocked the man, Kevin G, from communicating with me I deleted him in every way that I know how. Plus, I'm back in the States, and unless the universe has an intention for us to cross paths, my assumption is we won't. So look, the purpose of sharing this story is not about revenge. Many folks will listen to this story and say, I could never, I would never. How could she fill in the blank? And believe me, I know, I was that person too. <laughs> but when it comes to moving abroad, I feel like my story is not about making better choices, Instead, it's about the responsibility that I personally hold not to be silent. Better yet, the responsibility that we hold not to be silent about our stories. You know, this reminds me about the recent viral post. I am a black woman. We build, 
We don't tear down other black women. We have felt the pain of being torn down and we have to be deliberate about building each other up. So I know this could happen to anybody. This did happen to me and I'm claiming it, but it's also happening to many of us. When I think particularly about African-American women who come abroad in search of greener pastures, right, to start over, I realize that we come with a yearning to experience much of what we were lacking in the U.S., whether it's a better job, freedom, love, more opportunities to travel. We all come with this inkling that whatever was missing in the States can eventually be found here. And while this is often true, I mean, just keep in mind that there are other dis coveries <laughs> as well. I discovered something that I was truly unaware of. What I thought was the potential of a new relationship, as Casey mentioned in her article, was all a lie. Many of us don't even report it. I mean, for various reasons, shame, embarrassment, but unfortunately, a lot of us don't even know it's happening. I have no doubt that I was not the first and will definitely not be the last to come across Kevin G. So here's my call to action, which is not only for women, brothers, there are women in these streets who are out to get you too, okay? Be careful on these apps. If you're like me, delete them all together. I have no doubt that romance scammers are working in groups with other folks. Report these profiles and yeah, be careful. And some of the articles suggest the following, you know, articles say, do your research, be skeptical of boyfriends you've never met, do not send money to anyone you don't know personally. Cut off contact with the scammer and don't try to exact revenge. <laughs> and while all of these make sense, what happens when the scammer, in my case, gives you a fake name? When you Google him and nothing comes up? I mean, that's something to look for as well. You know, what I think is most interesting is I couldn't even find a Facebook group or a website that was specifically for folks to share their stories. And, you know, for those who feel inspired, I'll leave that right there. Also, when I say be careful, I don't suggest to only do your research through G-Search. I also mean listen to your intuition. Share your dating experience with folks. Listen to yourself talk about it out loud. And if things don't make sense to you, then most likely, well, you know. <laughs> the universe constantly conspires for our well-being. And luckily for me, this didn't last more than three months, but I realized folks like him have been shunned by their families, deported from countries, and really have no more love to give. Who would have thought that love could be used as a weapon? That's why scammers use it to manipulate others because it's their only way of living, which is through taking advantage of other people. And hey, I might be wrong, so please tell me if I am. So Casey, who I mentioned earlier in this episode, Thank you. Thank you for being beautiful, black, brave, and bold enough to share your story, girl. Giving light to your story encouraged me to share mine. Too often, we go into hiding, and rather than putting shame on the criminal, we put shame on ourselves. I think the next step is finding out the laws about defamation so that we can publicly hashtag say his name <laughs> with all the evidence to back it up. So unfortunately, I can't expose Kevin G's real name, but like a true academic, I can cite all of my sources. <laughs> hey, once you do all you can do, then you've done all you can do. Now, I'll continue with my healing. <laughs> a Broad Education is created by Tiffany Michelle Smith. 
Lady Justice, the song that you're listening to, was written and produced by Rillionaire Dreams. You can get his Postcards album on SoundCloud. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes or wherever you download your favorite podcast. Let's keep the conversation going and follow me on Instagram at abroad underscore I-N underscore E-D. And you can also access the website at abroadeneducation.com.